Red Lagoons, those gathered in the Circle Perilous, and all the defenders of this broken land, welcome to episode 33 of Rock of Punk Radio for the week of April 5th, 2023. We're the Casual X-Men Chat Show, where we chat everything happening in Marvel's Mutants every single week. I'm Rod, and this is the Al Ewing to my Kieran Gillen, my one and only Comega Mutant, Keegan. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Tell us, how was WrestleMania? WrestleMania was fabulous, fantastic, truly the grandest stage of all time. A showcase of the immortals and uh i well, loved it you were there the good day <laughs> yes i was there for uh triple h's day uh hail to the king yeah. <laughs> and uh we decided to stay in the hotel room and stream night two and by golly did we make the right decision <laughs> how big was the pop when sammy and kevin won you know, if I could have heard anyone over my own screaming, I would be able to tell you. However, Fair. my friends that were sitting two full rows in front of us, because uh, we were like, Beach got two seats, and then two rows ahead, two seats. My friends that were two rows ahead of us were like, yeah, I could hear you clearly over everybody, dude. <laughs> well, I don't remember if I said it on air or just to you. I was rooting against Cody. I wanted mm-hmm. Roman to retain. Not like that, though. That was a... That was a, I wanted it to happen in a compelling way. That was yeah. a bad second night of Mania. And then the Raw afterwards was terrible. Oh, yeah. It was the weirdest three days of wrestling where I was super, super high on WWE and then fell to a pretty low, low afterwards. But, oh, yeah. I mean, our, our group, our big thing, we were wanting to go to night two so bad because we wanted to be there to finish the story. We wanted to, we wanted to hit that one, two, three, and then just adrenaline, you know, but no. <laughs> Not to dive into wrestling at the very beginning yeah. of the show, but they they have a history doing that. When I they have know. a moment to capitalize on, they instead capitalize on it six weeks later. Like yeah. I, Cody's going to finish the story, and it just oh, won't yeah. be is. We'll not have the build to add. Anyways, yeah. this week we are talking about Immortal X Men number three, Wolverine thirty two, Rogue and Gambit number two, then going around the Marvel universe with Scarlet Witch number four, just a teeny tiny bit. <laughs> But first, because of our recording schedule lately, we've had two separate rounds of Fall of X announcements, and we haven't talked about any of it. That so is are you correct. ready for the info dump? Let's do it. All right, so first off, two weekends ago at Megacon Orlando, they did a big panel unveiling the Fall of X in general, uh, confirming what I think we already had been told, but like confirming, confirming that it's the follow-up to Destiny of X. It's the next status quo. So it's the fourth era of Krakoa because we had, was it Dawn Reign? Destiny's, Destiny's the one we're in now. Yeah. And then we're heading into Fall of X, giving us the titles that we're going to get, starting with the returnees, which are X-Men, Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red, Wolverine, and X-Force. Those are the five that are sticking through. And then they're being joined by Astonishing Iceman, Children of the Vault, Uncanny Avengers, Realm of X, Alpha Flight, and Uncanny Spider-Man. Giving us, I believe, 12? Something like that. Oh, you I'm know what? I, did, I didn't have Dark X-Men on that list, but it's Dark on X-Men screen. Because they've got the full list of 12 on the screen. Uh, and they gave us a few tidbits in that panel. Not going into any of the creative teams of those books, but they did show us, uh, for instance, big spoiler, uh, panels from immortal x-men 12 or 13 uh that had rasputin in them so showing that she does make it through the timeline showing us the new 
character design for Kate Pride as Shadow Cat, but spelled with a K this time. And she's basically a ninja. She's joining the cast of Jerry Dugan's X-Men. And uh, we got a little more info on Uncanny Avengers, basically confirming that Kraken Krakoa is the new bad guy and that it's someone mysterious who's going after mutants and humans alike. Uh, and then the big info dump that has two things I'm super, super excited for actually came this last Friday where we got three new creative teams on three of those books. So we're going to do reckless speculation on the ones we don't know anything about in a minute, but I'm going to skip ahead. So we're a little out of order here. First, we got Astonishing Iceman, which is written by Steve Orlando and drawn by Vincenzo Caruto. Caruto? How would you pronounce that? Eh. Caruto? Caruto? Yeah. As, as always, I apologize for my terrible name pronunciation. It's not personal in the slightest. <laughs> Anyways, following Hellfire Gala number one. Again, don't throw the number one on there. We've had two Hellfire Gala number ones already. Mutant Kind will enter a thrilling new era of uncertainty, danger, and mystery known as Fall of X. But as the X-Men recover from this brutal defeat, one member will strike out on their own as Earth's new protector and astonishing Iceman. Uh, just in time for X-Men's 60th anniversary, readers will witness one of the X-Men's founding members embark on his most extraordinary chapter yet in a series written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Vincenzo Caruto. Launching in August, Astonishing Iceman will elevate Bobby Drake to superhero greatness, complete with a new base of operations, never before seen uses of his abilities, and fierce new enemies. Iceman's newfound purpose will position him amongst Marvel's most powerful beings, but a dark uh, side effect of his new mission could cause it all to shatter. It's interesting because... Orlando's a dude who has really loved me down so far this year with Marauders. Basically, mm -hmm. since the show started, I don't think I've had anything nice to say about the guy. That said, you have pushed hard that his Midnighter run was great. I and uh, I like a lot of his indie stuff. And there isn't a team dynamic here. So this might be best case scenario for him creating in the X universe we know Iceman has had some major feats lately we've seen him already powered up so when they say he's getting a whole bunch of new powers who's he going to go up against he's already Omega I, I'm very very curious to see what just how astonishing Bobby Drake can be yeah absolutely that's one thing that I find interesting it's like how how much more powerful can his ice powers get when he's already creating shields for the planet. <laughs> yeah, for the entire planet in one go. Uh, and that, that to me, is the least exciting of the three, but I am a little hyped for it. The yeah. next announcement was the Dark X-Men, which was exactly what we had been predicting we were getting a book of. And Dark X-Men is a perfect title for it. It's written by Steve Fox and drawn by Jonas Scharf. Uh, and it's going to star a squad of X-Men unlike any you've seen before. Madeline Pryor, Havoc, Archangel, Gambit, Azazel, Zero, Albert, and Implate. Uh, this deadly group will band together to fill the void left by the X-Men and are seemingly the perfect team to combat the harsh conditions of Fall of X. Their hearts are in the right place, but under the unpredictable leadership of the Goblin Queen and operating out of New York's new limbo embassy, will this team's dark ways turn the tide for mutant kind or make things far worse? So that tease is a pretty huge spoiler in and of itself, I guess, because we know Dugan's X-Men are going to be on the outs. That's, that mm -hmm. bodes very poorly for them. We called it when the embassy showed up. We said, okay, yeah. that's going to be like her dark mirror of uh, the treehouse. Tree She's going to have an X-Men in it. So we're getting it. 
again, best case scenario, we were, sh- uh, at least I, I was surprised at how good the X-Men annual was when it came out. We both loved it. We threw a bunch of praise on it. We were talking about, well, what ongoing can they give him? We threw out there the next Marauders. I threw out their new mutants. And then uh, it was you and oh, who we had as a guest. Do you guys point? Oh, I think it was on Kenny Ken pointed out like, well, maybe, maybe there needs to be a more diverse voice on new mutants. So I think this is the perfect place to slot Steve Fox in. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do with it. I am super into this premise. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it looks really cool. I'm glad that uh, one of our predictions was essentially dead on and right. Uh, wow, what a bonkers team, though. I, I This team is absolutely bizarre. I feel like if you had had me make a list of who I thought would end up on it, I would have thrown Archangel in there because it's just Uncanny X-Force vibes. Maybe would have thought throw Gambit in because he's a sack of shit, so of course he's on the Dark X-Men, but... The rest of those, I never would have thought of. Like, that is such a cool, bonkers group. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I love it. And, like, yeah, especially with Madeline as the lead, uh, that's going to be really interesting to see. I'm interested to see if, you know, it ends up being in good hands. Remind me when we get to the, when we get to the Gambit book this week. <laughs> I have a theory. I want you to ask me my theory. Okay, I'll remember. And the uh, last one. Oh, do you have more to no, say? No, no, I was just going to be like, but yeah, it's it's just with that bizarre team and how well uh, he did with X-Men Annual, I think we got a good shot at a great book here. It As of now, and we'll get to like reckless speculation, but of the announcements, maybe, maybe like, the book I I have the highest expectations for, this needs to, this, this needs to be amazing. Yeah. I was almost going to say it might be my most hyped but it's not because of the next one we're going to talk about. Yes. So in that list of names I threw at you, there was a book, Realms of X. Mm-hmm. And there was two main theories for what it could be, and both made sense. It was either going to be the next Knights of X and Captain Britain Corps, like it was going to be the continuation of that story. Or yeah. there was a lot of talk of, well, we know Cy Spurrier is doing something heavy with Mystique and destiny so maybe that and it would follow the way of x legion of x like naming schemes. the naming convention blank of yeah it's neither of those (laughs) this august north mythology and x-men mythology collide in a new series by torin gronbeck and diogenes neves i feel bad again the name these artists all really really talented and deserve their names pronounced but probably diogenes yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Just throwing that one out there. Uh, Realm of X will continue the Krakoans' fascinating exploration of mutant magic as a ragtag group of mutants become players in a mystical war orchestrated by a familiar adversary. This mute- mysterious mastermind wants to manipulate mutant kind just as they're at their lowest, but they've messed with the wrong ones. Can, Magic, Former Valkyrie, Danny Moonstar, Marrow, Dust, Curse, and Typhoid Mary overcome their differences and rise as legendary heroes of the Ten Realms? Or will their mere presence escalate the conflict and warp mutankind's destiny forever, leaping straight from the astonishing events of this year's Hellfire Gala? An an unlikely group of mutants find themselves stranded in Vanaheim? What's even more confusing, the locals seem to believe that they hold the key to fulfilling a prophecy to neither raise the realm to riches or cause it to fall to ruin. With magic's powers malfunctioning and a mysterious figure amassing power on the outskirts of the realm, these X-Men are going to have to band together if they want to stay alive long enough to find their way home. Okay, so Torin Ronbeck 
is just on a tear across the industry right now. Yeah. Uh, they've been doing Red's, Red Sonia stuff. They wrote uh, a Warhammer 40k thing that Broken Record was just telling me about. And they came in and wrote these really good Jane as the Valkyrie miniseries and then wrote the Jane like Return to Thor miniseries last year. And then when Donny Cates left Thor, stepped in and is wrapping up that story, but injecting it with us. So clearly understands not just Norse mythology, but Norse in Marvel mythology. This is the perfect way to bring her into the X office. I am so excited. Yes, it's gonna be so absolutely. Good. It's going to be awesome. And again, you were talking about the team. What is this bonkers lineup? Typhoid Mary thrown in there? So good. Yeah. Um, I was already kind of amazed at that team lineup as I was reading the article. And then for it to also include uh, Typhoid Mary, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Such a, such a left field addition, but so good. Yeah. So those are the ones we do know about. Mm-hmm. So there's a few we still can recklessly speculate on. That's Alpha Flight. That's Children of the Vault. That's uh, Uncanny Spider-Man. Yes. I thought there was four, but those are the three that we know absolutely nothing about. Mm-hmm. We know there's a Cy Spurrier book in there. That's also true. We do know that. Did you see, I, I, I posted on other media my theory. Have you seen my theory on what he's doing? No, I have not. Okay. So back in November of 2022, he did an X-Men Monday. And it was with a couple other writers, but they were all asked, who's going to have a big 2023? <sighs> and his answer was Silver Sable. Yeah. A Spider-Man character. And then in this year's Timeless, uh, there was, in all you know, they have all the, like, future, Kang, Timeless is that, like, Easter egg book where Kang, it's always a Kang story where he's doing something weird, but then it ends up with all these flashes of stories that are to come. And there was a Spider-Man swinging, and he had Nightcrawler hands and toes. And he had a completely, he had this all-black costume with the red spider, so it was not Webcrawler from right. Sins of Sinister. And it came out like two weeks before that uh, issue where Webcrawler premiered. So some people were like, oh, well, maybe they just hadn't, hadn't finished the design yet when they were writing Timeless. But since then, we found out since the Sinister had to be written way in advance and like design issues, th- things were finished way in advance because of the, st- the, the structure of it. The fact that th- one artist drew all three number ones, one artist drew all three number twos, and one artist drew all three number threes. They had to have a lot of synergy because, and they had to finish early with the writing so that one person could crank out all three uh, books for in their month. So I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's any way that the artist drawing Timeless uh, wouldn't have known to draw him the same way he ends up looking since Sinister was referenced to that. Yeah, that absolutely I, makes sense. So I think Uncanny Spider-Man is Sice Burrier's next book when he come when because I, I don't see how he'd fit Alpha Flight or uh children of the vault. maybe children of the vault but that doesn't that that doesn't seem like uh he's had any focus on that that section of the world yet so i think it's him and i think it's either after all the genetic tampering and going full beast mode uh 
after Sins of Sinister, Nightcrawler just wants to hide behind a mask for a while and do Spider-Man shit. Or, and this is this might be way too out there. So, we know in year 100, the Nightkin baby, the baby of... Uh, Wagnerine and what was the Cy what was the Cyclops Nightcrawler? What was his name? Do you remember? You guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the 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 Cyclops Scott Scott Parker. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, he they had a baby. We never got to see that baby's power set. Now, no connection to to the Peter Parker because Wallcrawler died right. in year ten. But what if, as like a tribute, that baby because. We don't know how he grew up until the year 1000. We'll find. We'll probably find out where he's at in two weeks when we get Nightcrawlers 3. I, I think it could also be an adult version of him that got back into the main timeline and is running around as Spider-Man. Either way, whether that's our Nightcrawler, whether that's one of the remnants of the Synthesis or Timeline Nightcrawlers, I think Uncanny Spider-Man is about Nightcrawler as Spider-Man. That is my shot called that we'll find out if there's any truth to it in the near future, probably this week. I I like that a lot, honestly. Um, I also think that would be a really fun book to read, so I'm just excited absolutely. about that idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, especially if it's Kurt, like our Kurt, that's doing the Spider-Manning, like, with his moral compass and everything and the way that he feels things should be. Even oh, if I, it's him, like, giving Pete a break or something. <laughs> Well, or even we're we're in a world right now where the Amazing Spider-Man book is about a Peter who's pretty pretty broken. So yeah. it'd be pretty cool to have Nightcrawler come in and be a better Peter Parker than Peter. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't really have creative team like ideas on Children of the Vault or Alpha Flight. I yeah. do kind of assume at least one of them's gonna have to have to have a woman as a writer because we are really short on women right now on the x office side like uh, with this lineup we're given yeah so i know there was a lot of rumors around no, stephanie williams there was a lot of rumors around leo williams there's a lot of rumors around stephanie phillips uh i think any of them could write either of those books so i'm very curious to see what we end up with i'm curious what it, version of the team is going to be in alpha flight i'm really curious yeah. to see if Children of the Vault is going to really move that plot forward already, because it feels like there's a lot of other stuff already going on here with Wall of X, but the Vault does need to be dealt with, so. Yeah, because, I mean, the Vault's just been sitting there. <laughs> it needs... So you've seen the big promo image, right? Yeah, the, the, well, the, the tribute of... Yeah, the Fall of X... It basically is a tribute to the Fall of Mutants. It's on screen for the people watching right now, but yeah. I think everything we've seen so far really promotes this idea that it's about the fall of Xavier mm -hmm. or the fall of the X-Men team way more than it's going to be about the fall of Krakoa. That's very true. And if it's fall of Xavier, that's a called shot from me from miles yeah. away, just like downtown. <laughs> I, I think that would be... I think it almost it, you almost have to say it's confirmed at this point. I, I feel I, I don't like see, yeah, with that image the way it is, like yeah, everyone's on the ground, but that's just a visual reference to the fall of mutants. But it's really clear this is all about 
responsibility. It's about his responsibility. It seems like it's going to be about Scott's responsibility to an extent because it's Scott's team that's getting shut down. I'm really curious to see what goes down with the gala. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The gala is always wildly interesting, and this one has me more interested than even usual. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're this, this is gala three or gala four? Gala three. Three, I uh, think. I feel like the first one, because it was a full-blown full blown event, has its... Mm-hmm. But I definitely more excited about this one than I was last year's. Like, last year's felt like, a, oh, yeah, of course, we're doing it again. Whereas now it feels justified. Like we're in the ro- we're in the routine of having one every year. And so knowing that this one goes so wrong before we get there, it, it makes it a train wreck you want to watch. Like, I want to see how we get from where we are now to where it ends uh anything else from the promo stuff you wanted to talk or do you want to jump into this week's books i say we jump into this week's books do a moral x-men first i feel like that's definitely yeah. a biggie I yeah let's just book. start there written by karen hill and drawn by alessandro vidi year 1000 is a completely different galaxy rasputin files a psychic captain's log while she infiltrates prayer world 537-2389 the prayer worlds are basically faith engines entire worlds of clones who exist just to believe in Exodus and nothing else because his powers are faith-based. So the more people that believe in him, the stronger he gets. She uh, she psychically rifles through the minds of the clones until she finds the hidden message she was sent to retrieve. Unfortunately, she also utters a prayer of thanks, which wakes Exodus. Luckily, Sinister has an escape plan for her. He calls in another Exodus. It turns out the prayer worlds had some trivial schism and each has their own Exodus who have easily abused peace treaties among the galactic... I don't, I don't even know if you'd call it a network because they're all at war with each other, but the galactic system of <laughs> Exodus. Um, yeah, of prayer worlds. Yeah, of prayer worlds and their Exodus as they power. Mr. Mr. Sinister and Rasputin make their escape on the weathered and worn out Marauder. She relays the decoded message. We should be on the same side. A data page gives us the fate of each member of the Council in Sin. Professor X is the protectorate of the dream, which is really just a giant bank of disembodied brains. Uh, Kate is in exile as a space pirate, while Magic is hiding in limbo. Most importantly, Emma is leading the Red Diamond forces. The Marauder ends up at an old Earth satellite, which carried a wax cylinder, which was identical to the one Nathaniel Essex left for Destiny back in the 1800s, in one of my favorite callbacks we've gotten in a while, that contained Destiny recapping her role so far in the events, and her desire to help reset everything. Rasputin overhears and realizes, wait a second, Sinister is the bad guy! And to prove her right, he ejects her into deep space. He then travels to Earth, though it's covered in the same Kinji Yudo clone tendrils that we've seen referenced in Nightcrawlers. In a cave, he meets a decaying Doombot, and then Moira, who joins forces with Sinister in an... In a cave, he meets a decay... In a cave, he meets a decaying Doombot, and then Moira, who joins forces with Sinister in an effort to reset everything. We finally meet Emma, who is literally in a red diamond form as a living crimson gem of Sidorak, which is Juggernaut's power source. Uh, Empress Emma talks with her slave and confidant beast, who reveals Sinister is alive. With an order of, prepare my largest legion and highest heels, they must be crushed. She prepares for all-out war. Moira and Sinister reach the world farm, where they face John Ironfire in what looks like a hell beast with a Cyclops visor. Uh, they seemingly want to ally with Storm's people. But then, simultaneously, in space, Rasputin is approached by a mysterious voice. Mother Righteous wants her help. 
this was again my favorite issue. Like I feel like I've been saying that every effing week. This was so good. So much this fun. This was incredible. What a fun what a fun time this issue was. And it kept surprising me with like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. This is the best alternate world we've ever gotten and part of it is it genuinely surprises me every issue. There is some Yes, you read to be surprised, but I am not genuinely surprised as much as I am with this book, like, ever. This, there's so much here that they are just pulling out in ways that, looking back, make total sense, but still, in the moment, blow my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are, like, just such obvious, like, things to get to, though, but it's a misdirect the way it's been plotted out, and then it yeah. happens, and you're just like, oh, what? <laughs> The Empire of the Red Diamond that we've heard about for over a year. We knew it was coming at some point. Being Emma's domain. It's just brilliant. It's just good. It's just absolutely brilliant. Because, like, of course you expect it to be sinister. Yeah. Because he has, you know, he has his red diamond on his forehead. Yep. But, of course, Emma would be the red diamond. Of course she would be. Her in this form might be like my new. We we had on the Discord. We had a who are your five favorite X Men conversation this week, and Emma might get on the list. Not as regular Emma, but like that was the little bit we got of her was so good, so funny. She makes such a good supervillain. She definitely. This is definitely like my favorite alternate version. Like my favorite, you know, version of Emma. Oh yeah. Uh, the so red diamond look is so cool. <laughs> so good uh and then that led to a really interesting reshuffling of the alliances by the end of the issue i actually need you to help me make sure i have like where things stand at the end downright so Mm -hmm. we've got sinister moira and the brotherhood seemingly on one team assuming iron fire takes his alliance offer at the end there but to me that's the implication right that is the implication at least and it versus Mother Righteous and Rasputin versus the Empire of the Red Diamonds. So those are like the three alliances right now. And then until this week when we get the next issue of I don't and it's Storm this week, so we might not even get it this issue. We don't know where the knight can stand, right? Because True. theoretically they should be with Mother Righteous, but it in the last issue ended with uh Wagnerine like vowing her vengeance so maybe they split maybe maybe wagnerine's on her own we don't know but i i have in my head i have them down as a wild card right now we don't know where the night can stand right otherwise do i have it about right as far as i can tell yes um you know i i think that makes i think that all maths out to me okay <laughs> I love this so much. I'm so, so upset good. we only have three issues left. I I'm know. super bummed we're right coming to the end. I want it to keep going. Why why does it feel like there's so few issues of this and Dark Web felt like there was 900 issues? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I mean, that shows you that the once a week pacing is the perfect oh, way to handle an event. You don't need a million tie-ins. You don't mm-hmm. want giant gaps between issues once because that that was dark crisis last year dc did that thing where 
they would literally go three weeks without anything to do with the event. And that was that ruined any momentum it would have had. This is perfect. Give us once a week one issue tied to the event so that we can follow it, but it leads to these conferences. Maybe it's just because we have a podcast. Maybe that's why I'm biased because it leads to the just right amount of conversation about it. But Well, you know, I, I feel like the X office really has nailed my two favorite styles of like event in the last yeah. year because like you know you have your once a week uh issues with sinister but then also like judgment day like with all of its tie-ins they made them all count and i loved that too so i feel like it's the two styles that you can do and they showed yeah. they're great at both i will say as much as i heap praise on judgment day as it was coming out if you gunned my head me right now i think i would put this above it because there hasn't been a bad tie-in here. That's, that's Judgment fair. Day at least had some weak points to it. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a full universe-wide event. So I, I don't know that I would ever be directly comparing them in that way. Because, you know, you, we talk X crossovers and we talk event comics. And they are two different beasts. This this has been pretty much pure perfection. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree to that assessment. Uh. It continued the Star Trek thing. It did. It absolutely did. Like, I thought that was really neat because it didn't really pick up this. I thought it was really neat because Storm started the Star Wars stuff in issue one. So you expected that to be a through line. Really, I didn't catch a lot of Star Trekky stuff until issue mm-hmm. two. So I was really happy to see them keep it going here in issue three. Uh, framing it as a captain's log uh equivalent was really fun just everything about this book this event has just been so stylish and this is this issue was another great example of that Mm -hmm. i'm interested to see uh with that theming uh this week with storm and the brotherhood like how are they going to continue their star wars theming yeah. Uh, with last time being so explicit of them having X wings and firing into a death sphere. Um, yeah. I. I mean, you really. There's nowhere really to ramp that up. So I. I think if anything, they'll have to do like a denouement, and it'll have to be like maybe there'll be an award ceremony in it or something. To... That. Yeah. Or they'll go into the sequels, or they'll have a hope sword versus something else sword fight, and it'll be like lightsabers and or Jar Jar Binks will show up. That, you know, also an option. Absolutely. <laughs> Me's a Jar Jar dupe. I did really... I'm doing too many ahs. Uh, I really like the way Storm in year 100 and Rasputin in this issue basically bring up the same point about morality of mm-hmm. the reset versus going and just saving this world because that's why Rasputin turns on Sinister is she realizes he's basically gonna kill everyone she knows the entire world she's ever known he'd been implying they were gonna save the world that exists and she finds out that oh no he's gonna wipe me out and wipe my world out to save his world yeah yeah and so there's an interesting parallel there and a decision Storm already made the decision Rasputin makes there and yet it seems like they're gonna be on opposite sides here or yeah her people i 
Storm is on all the covers of issue three. I know she died at the end of issue two, but I'm assuming we're going to get some iteration of Storm this week. But if not, her people. <laughs> right. It's it's going to be interesting to see the way that all plays out because, yeah. yeah, like, Storm did die saving this world. 900 years ago, and yet she's young on all the covers again. So I don't know. I don't know. Something's up. Yeah, there's some shenaniganery. <laughs> I don't even know everything I want to say about this book. It's just so good. Um, it is. It's. It's just a Ch- delight. Chimera Corner. I. I don't know that there was anyone new. I, 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 I think it's it's the first time we saw just how like d- destroyed the galaxy was, and they were talking about how you saw it had absorbed Saturn, and they say he he mentions Jupiter and Saturn, and he mentions the tendrils are like heading towards Alpha Centauri. So basically there. I don't think we had any individual Chimera, did we? I can't think of any off the top of my head that I mean, were like, like new. Beast Beast was in a new form. He's gray and weathered and Yeah. It's going super Game of Thronesy, really. Like yeah. he looked he looked very hand of the king-ish to me. And Emma very much looked like she was about to sit on the Iron Throne. Like and with all the alliances, this really is getting to be a very Game of Thrones style like alliance feud to me. Oh yeah, I, I definitely see that connection. It's uh, it's cool. I like that kind of like politicking, you know, alliances. That's and what X Men like, does best for sure. Yeah. And Emma as the heel wearing the heels is just fabulous. Just absolute chef's kiss. Well, that line, uh, the prepare my largest legion and highest heels was such a mm-hmm. such perfect line. And I love that she still frames it though. Just like she did in in years ten and hundred, it's all about the children and like treating it like a school and her students. Yeah, and that's such an interesting vibe when she's clearly so evil, but she's still she still wants to come off as the benevolent school marm. It's 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 perfection. God, why are Karen Gillan and Ewing and Spurrier so perfect at this? They are so good at what they do. It's an incredible team of three, like just incredible storytellers. So, anything more you want to say on these incredible storytellers? I think, I mean, I just really love it. But other than that, <laughs> well, I was just gonna say we could segue to another amazing. Hey, surprise story of the week, though! Like, teller. Su- <laughs> it is very much surprise of the week for me. We'll get into it. Ready for Wolverine Thirty Two? Let's do it. Yeah. Written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Juan Jose Reap. It opens with a British political stooge hunting in the fog when a pack of Wolverine clones kill him and his buddy. He was smuggling Krakoan flowers, so Beast unilaterally had to put him down. The Wolverines drop his head off a cliff and they all dive in and swim down to the Kaiju base uh, Beast has turned the X-Force headquarters into. Beast explains he doesn't socialize with his giant army of beasts who are just tools like the giant army of Wolverines. It's a strategy to remain the one true beast. In Krakoa, Wolverine walks into a quiet council meeting and dumps the beast from two issues ago, the one that has the Last of Us fungus sprout of his head, dumps his corpse on the ground. When Xavier protests, he lets him read his mind. The council's all shocked to find out everything Beast has been up to, but Logan just tells him to figure out how to fix uh, X-Force, and when they ask what he's going to do, he's going hunting. Uh, Maverick is in a submarine celebrating being a Krakoan flower smuggler when the Wolverines strike. He realizes it's not the real Logan while getting his ass absolutely handed to him. Beast is overall satisfied with the destruction of the submarine, but his beasts report that one Wolverine is missing in their... He, oh no, we gotta go back for him. 
even though he'll soon drown, we see Maverick is on his way to, uh, to Krakoa for answers, dragging the limp Wolverine clone behind him. Did I like a Benjamin Percy issue? I hope you did, because I did. Did I like a Benjamin Percy issue? It, I'm telling you, surprise of the week. I found myself really enjoying it. This isn't the first time he's done it. And I think it's... It's this finally takes it over the line where it doesn't feel like he's taking himself... It ditches the self-importance of it. Like, it feels yes. like it, it takes it far enough that it's pure camp. That it's not... It's not like a self-aware smug thing like a lot of his stuff comes off as. And instead, it feels like he's fully embracing the camp of it. Uh, like, it crosses the threshold from this is bad to, oh, camp. Uh, Beast is literally sending entire armies of tube-made clones to protect Krakoan flowers. But just everything he's doing, building giant fucking armies of clones... And all the other, his space labs, everything else he's done basically shows he has technology that makes all of that unnecessary. He doesn't need the flowers. He doesn't need the five. He doesn't need any of the Krakoan stuff. And yet he's deluded himself to saving them is just hilarious. Uh, The actual fights are hilariously over the top. The stuff with Maverick is hilarious. Uh, It just... Yeah, there's something yeah. about this issue, and he, I've, we've seen glimpses of it a couple times. If you go back, I haven't always talked utter shit about him. There's times this comes up. There was an issue last month, the Ghost Rider issue did this, where mm-hmm. when Percy, I feel like, gets the stick out of his ass, and he's like, I see my strengths, I'm gonna do the camp thing, he writes camp really well. He just Absolutely. It, it. I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like, if you embrace just the insanity of this story that you're telling and go for it, then it's actually fun and good. It's the, I think you described it perfectly when you said it's lost the self-importance of it when it's too self-important and it's like taking itself very seriously, uh, then it's not any fun. And then it's just like, it almost feels like when it's taking itself very seriously, it almost feels like, uh, Benjamin Percy is kind of preaching to us through Beast as a megaphone or something. Yeah. But when you embrace the camp, you know, and it's like, now it's like, oh no, he is super cartoony, super villain nonsense, you know, and shooting like Wolverine missiles practically. <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is goofy and fun. And he took the, he took the stick out of his ass. He started beating people with the stick. You know, it's, it's the fun of it. I'm, I am fully on board. If, if the rest of this weapons of x arc can go this speed because that's the other thing is is percy arcs sometimes take 20 issues to get to the point this got to the point very quickly if the if this arc which i think has like three or four issues left is going to be this pace all the way through i might love a percy arc because this this was good stuff absolutely Uh, i do have to say i think it's really funny that a wolverine comic the book with wolverine on the name had the actual wolverine in it like not like the slave caller clones but our character yeah he was on three pages total in the whole comic all right that's fair 
but just you also call have it Wolverine beast. Just call and Wolverine it beast. and Wolverine and Wolverine and Wolverine and Wolverine. <laughs> That's totally fair. I don't even but know yeah. how to talk about this book without like I don't have anything to hate on him for. I don't Yeah. It was perfectly fun. I wish that more Here's the thing. I wish that more issues were like this. Like yeah. I I had fun and it almost makes me even more mad in retrospect cuz I'm like, "Hey, man, if you got this in you, you need to be doing this." Yeah. I Even even the scene at the Goya Council as short as it was, I loved it. There's a thing where you and I disagreed on some of the like Wolverine monologues he has him give. I, I don't think Percy usually writes a Wolverine that feels like Wolverine to me. Mm-hmm. That scene felt like how Wolverine should talk, act, and sound. Just Absolutely. The, he moralized. He, he, he gave the, you guys got to get your shit together and figure out what you're going to do. And then he immediately, me? Oh, I'm hunting. That's all Wolverine needs to do. I, he gets these long monologues and I hate either in, internal or he'll have Wolverine just talk too much sometimes. Yes. I feel like that was the perfect use of him. Yeah. Well, because here's, here's the thing is if it was a, a Wolverine issue that we don't like, it might've been uh, me. I'm hunting. Cause it's the only thing I've ever known how to do because my life has been nothing but pain. Hundreds of years of pain. So that's why I'm hunting. You know, like, it gets right. too much. But, like, if it's just Wolverine going, me, I'm hunting. It's like, fuck, yeah, you're hunting. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> I think that's part of it. We get a 25-issue long arc, and Wolverine is best in small doses. You want to yeah. you want to let your imagination fill in the gaps of what he's thinking and doing. And- All right. I hate to... To have a short conversation because it. I know. I, our, I bu- like... our buddy Joe of X is going to be like, man, you spend 20 minutes when you hate it and you only spent five minutes when you liked it. But I, I give it two thumbs up. I, I do. I feel like we almost owe it to Benjamin Percy to like, you know, give him more flowers when we do really like it. And I feel bad that the thing is, is it it's beauty and how good it is, is how fast it was. Yep. Right, and, well, and it was a and it was a middle issue. Yeah, we always talk less about middle issues of arcs. That's just the way it is. First issues and last issues spur more conversation, spur spur more speculation, and unfortunately, all the books this week are being dumped after all the big news drops. So both this and the next book we're going to talk about are getting shorter conversations because they're less important. Because as we've talked about, right now we're in a filler era, other than Sins of Sinister. All Very of the true. other books are basically treading water until uh fall of x starts yeah so as long as we made that clear i think we're okay to move on to rogue and All gambit right. rogue and gambit number two written by stephanie phillips and drawn by carlos gomez after last issue rogue and gambit are walking powerless through the nevada desert gambit is whining about how manifold dumped them there and rogue rightfully points out how he just saved their asses Gambit then suggests they abandon the mission like the cowardly little bitch he is, and then, he, then instead of resolving anything, they realize with Rogue's powers gone, they can have super public sex in the sand, so they just do that. Seriously, these guys need couples therapy. Just saying. Uh, they find a small town 50 miles out of Las Vegas and stumble into a bar where they expect trouble, but instead the bikers fawn over Rogue, the hero, and Gambit for his dance moves. Luckily, a real superhero shows up when Black Panther uh, barges in, demanding to know what they've done with Manifold. 
They brawl, and Gambit ties a waitress to a stove before setting in a blaze, proving me right all along. They escape while he assures Rogue the Black Panther would totally save that lady. And then they literally ride into the sunset where they go recruit Forge for the next issue. So that had to have gotten you hype, seeing, seeing our gal Stephanie Phillips writing Forge, at least. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, 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 uh, not in a, oh God, Stephanie Phillips is writing Forge. No, I, I'm fine with that. For me, it's, uh, oh, why are you pulling my boy into this book? <laughs> All right. Ready for your task of the week? I mean, sure. I need you to defend Remy. I need you to explain to me how this dude is a hero. He wants sure. to abandon his allies, use an innocent woman as bait, and continue to completely ignore his wife and weaponize sex. He's literally the dude that you warn all of your friends about that they shouldn't hang out with him at the because he's charismatic, but deep down a shitbag. So yeah. why should we like Remy? Why should I forgive his sins? Sure. Okay. I got this for you. You ready? Two words. He's hot. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, yeah but, okay. So okay, he's but bit, in my, so in my he's, a, he's a bit of a scamp, this issue. Sure. He's a this issue. A, he's a bit of a mischievous scamp. He's just a little guy doing devious things. And, you know, every once in a while, every once in a while, he, he's earned it. So I'm just going to throw out there, Stephanie Phillips is also writing Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah. And it, it comes out the same week as this. If you're going to read one book by her, read that. That was really fun. I really liked yeah. the second issue of that. I, yes. This is really pretty, though. Okay, so... Yeah. so Here's a cool thing to like, if you ever want to know the power of a colorist in a book, this is drawn by Carlos Gomez also drew Exterminators. But if you put the art of this book next to that, it'll show you how different a colorist can make. Because both are gorgeous, but they bring out different aspects of his art in a cool way. It really stood out to me. So I, I will say there is, <laughs> there is, is one this going to be about panel? her face? Is this about, is this oh, about Rogue's face? No, I've, seen I've seen some people complaining that apparently they don't, they don't like the way he draws her face. But... No, I, I'm fine with Rogue's face. It's a little anime girly, but you know, it's okay. Uh, no, one panel that just gave me the giggles the first time is the first panel where Black Panther shows up. It is at Oh, the, the one where he's like got like one leg on the table and one on the piano, I think, but yeah. there's like weird depth issues. Yeah, so I actually looks... just scrolled to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll, it, I'll try it, I'll try to edit it in instead. To me, like because of like the depth issues to it, it kind of looks like someone just like drag and dropped a clip art of Black Panther. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. You're right. And like and I know that it's just because like depth can be like really hard to portray, but uh, it gave, it gave me the giggles at first. Um, well, the, it does this thing if you look at the foot that's on the piano, and this is getting mm-hmm. totally nitty gritty, I guess. But there's no like bend to the foot, right. so it's hard to tell. Like, is he just got his toes on it? Is he mid like lifting it off? There is something weird about that panel that makes it, it almost uncanny valley-ish. Like it's it's hard to. Yeah, but the rest but, of it super fun stuff. Um, I I think it's a solid middling book. Like I actually yeah. didn't didn't dislike it by any means. It it doesn't feel necessary. It definitely to me exemplifies this era we're in, where there's all these minis that feel very. Well, they needed something to fill a few months. I Black Panther was an interesting choice. I like that they tie it in through a footnote. 
to the fact he still just doesn't trust Krokoa in general because of Storm stealing the sword and Ten of Swords. Uh, but yeah, there's just something about even as someone who dislikes Gambit all the time, I feel like this book in particular writes in even even like scummier. Like it's it's a it's an even more negative portrayal than even I joke that he normally has. Just he's doing devious things. Listen. Okay, but tying a woman to a stove and then setting oh. the stove so that it will explode is over the top. That is oh. that is villain shit. That is no, not. No. Because you know what? If Black Panther didn't save her, then how how is he a hero? Well, wait. Okay, <laughs> rewind. So yeah. if Black Panther doesn't save her, he's yeah. not a hero. Exactly. But, but Gambit, who does. He does the tying. Scamp. He's a scamp. He's just a little guy. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Murder is not scamp behavior. Hold, hold on. Look at this guy. That's just a little scamp. Look at it. Just him. a little murderer. Nah. Don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> Let me put it this way. If Black Panther did yeah. not... Because it's not like you could set the timer for how long till it explodes. It's an open flame and gas. Like, it's gonna blow when it blows. Who's getting charged with murder? Black I Panther mean, or Remy? I Who mean, is the one that causes the death? Okay, well, if the whole restaurant explodes, then Remy certainly isn't getting charged for murder because there's no witnesses. <laughs> it's fucking dark. <laughs> I mean, I, you, I, you asked the question. I assume someone is getting yeah. out because I only mean, one person is tied to the oven. All of them I'm are saying getting out it, I'm because saying an Avenger if, is there. I'm saying if it exploded, it's not like it, it's not an atom bomb. It's not taking the yeah. whole building out in one blow. Someone's getting mm-hmm. out and someone is telling local news. Yeah, that dude Gambit, that guy that y'all love because he's got an accent and is tapping Rogue's ass. For whatever reason, he decided to blow up the bar and tie our waitress, who was perfectly nice to him. Also, he was a shitty tipper. He left no tip on top of it. Like, my tip. Oh, I don't know. We didn't actually see that. I'm just joking. It's not like you tied her to the to the thing. And I'm back and going to research it. <laughs> Is there a panel where we see if he tipped or not? <laughs> um, but no, like obviously, I understand. But you told me that I have to defend Gambit, I, so I am I now. Know. I am now defending. I know you did a good job. You I did am a doing great it to job. the death. <laughs> uh, but also, the the whole like, sex in the desert thing super weird because we saw they were in the middle of nowhere, so it's not like they found a secluded spot. So we found out they got a voyeur fetish, and and uh, that he is totally gaslighting, manipulating, whatever her because as soon as she's upset, he's like, "Hey, let's have sex instead of solving this problem we're dealing with." Yeah, I mean, he's every that, shitty boyfriend ever. <laughs> that felt very much like one of the uh, recent, what is it, like Claremont nostalgia books. Yeah, you know, it felt like one of those. Um, but you know, again, did not hate the book. I, I don't love the. I I think it's funny. I have to defend that character deserves a better portrayal when I don't like the character, anyways. But taking my joking hatred of Gambit out. I really do feel like it's a really bad portrayal of him, and I don't understand why. I assume they're going to build through the next three issues a story of, like, oh, we haven't had enough time together so lately, so we need to rebuild, and they're going to have 
happier status quo at the end of it. But if yeah. every time they write a new Rogan Gamut book, they just move back to this status quo of them being in a terrible, loveless marriage or relationship, it's hard to consider Destiny wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I it's definitely not my favorite uh, portrayal of Gambit. Like, I, I, admittedly, it's not my favorite portrayal of Gambit, but, you know, it's Gambit. Love the way the book looks, though. I, overall, looks you're, you're totally right about that one panel. <laughs> I do like the rest of it, though. Like, the rest of the book looks great. I like looking at it. It's nice. Uh, well, I didn't talk about it in the summary. I did like the text. I did, we got another text data page of yes. but it was Mystique and Destiny's texts, and it was, it was enjoyable. A lot of times so far since she came back, we'd only really seen Destiny in vague climactic moments, but seeing way more in the last, I'd say, six months like intimate character moments with her and like silly moments like this has yeah. been really enjoyable. Absolutely. Giving her a little bit more to work with. Like I love it. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go around, around the, Marvel the Marvel universe. Oh wait, no, no, we can't go around the Marvel universe. You forgot to remind me. <gasps> right. Rogan Gambit thing. My Gambit theory. Gambit so theory. We, know, we know he ends up on the dark X-Men. Do you yes. know who doesn't end up on the dark X-Men? Who? Oh. There's no rogue on the Dark X-Men. Ah. Have you ever wondered what would push Gambit to a dark place? Rogue's death. Oh, I wasn't thinking dead. I was just thinking they break up. But oh, that too. I, I like dead. Dead's a good one too. I'm, I, that's my theory. Fall of yeah. S, Hellfire Gala. What she thought? Maybe that's what's so bad with Hellfire Gala. Maybe. Rogue dies. Well, why mean... wouldn't they just bring her back? I, they break up at the gala. They break up and so he joins the Dark X-Men. That's Although fair. she's on the radio, no, she's is she on the X Men right now? No, because she's in the Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel. She's, right she's now. in Marvel. She's on. Ma- she's on yeah. Captain Marvel's team. I'm really interested in why we're getting more Gambit focused lately, but they didn't tie him into Sins of Sinister like at all because he's got connections to Sinister. That's true. Interesting. Yeah. Weird. All right, for real this time. Yes. Around the Marlinos. I read Scarlet Witch. I did not read Scarlet Witch. I know I said earlier, like, oh, Steve Orlando writing a solo book. Thumbs up. That's not really. It's okay. It is gorgeous. The Sarah Pacelli art. I don't know if you've ever seen her. She she drew all the early Miles Morales stuff. Mm. I really like her art. It's a gorgeous book. It doesn't feel that important yet. A lot of times the backup stories written by other people are the better part of it that's fine. but there is still rumors that there's going to be something at play with uh tying her back to magneto does she find out her real she really is his daughter after all kind of stuff so if that happens i'm reading it so we can at least talk about it hey if that happens let me know then i'll read it (laughs) you got it next week next week storm and the brotherhood of mutants number three after which will only be one one more year on thousand book and then the mm. the omega issue and then the crossover is done <laughs> uh x-men 21 which i think's the last brood issue but then we also have captain marvel 48 with some brood which will probably be around the marvel universe we'll see i know we talked about it one week and then we around the marvel universe at the other and then x23 re, uh deadly regenesis number two which also may be punted even though she's my favorite X-Man. because we, we can keep reading her. We can let your favorite have her time to shine. Okay. okay. 
<laughs> I mean, we get her in three books next week. Yeah, because she's on one team, and uh, what's what's the old Talons on the other, and then Henry Genesis, yeah. and maybe Wagnerine shows up in Storm. Maybe we get four different Lauras next week. Maybe it's an yeah. all Laura week. Probably not. I, she probably won't show up till my crawlers. Oh, but fingers crossed. Maybe we'll get four uh, Kenny. Uh. That'll do it for us. <laughs> we have the Discord server. It has been a ghost town lately. Uh, but join. Chat with us. Our tight-knit little community. We're still hoping it'll grow in 2023. Make sure you like us. Review us in all the places. Follow us. If nothing else, tell a friend you think might enjoy it. I'm that nerdy papa bear on all the socials. Keegan is Bulk Ranger. Until next time, remember, get me my largest heels. Uh-huh. <laughs>